Well, good morning, y'all. How are you this morning? Are you awake? Yeah. I always, every morning, I have to make a confession because I, I mean, I have to make a confession. I don't like mornings. And <laughs> I always kind of say that it seems like the Lord has you do things you really don't like. You usually know that you're in God's will if you're doing something you don't like. <laughs> and so I always have to make a confession over my morning. And I always say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I, I put it this way. I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Let's say that together. This is the day that the Lord has made. I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. And you know, it's so important to make a proper confession over your day. It's also important that, uh, that we stay on the positive. I know that um, the one thing that my father-in-law would always uh, say, when somebody would you know, start saying negative things, he'd say, keep it on the positive. Keep it on the positive. Keep it on the positive. And it's so important that regardless of what is occurring in our life, that we make the right confessions over our life. And when you keep it on the positive, I will tell you that positive things will start happening in your life. Well, we were talking about navigating seasons, that we all navigate seasons in the natural. But also, you know, there are seasons in life, in the spiritual life, and in in things that are happening on this earth. And we read over in Matthew 24 yesterday as, as the disciples were asking about when Jesus would come back to earth. And he said, well, all of these things are going to have to happen before I return. And then in, the, the la- in chapter, Matthew 24, uh, chapter 14, it says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And so, you know, God cannot do anything on this earth save by us. If you want to complain about, you know, what's happening on this earth, well, it's because we're not doing our parts. We are not taking the gospel to this world. That is so important that we know, and we talked about that yesterday, that each and every one of us have a job to do. We are witnesses. We are witnesses. You know what? Let's turn over to Mark. Where do I want to go to? Mark. I want to go to uh, Mark 16. Great Commission. So many times we, you know, as believers, we don't really take the Great Commission seriously. We think it's just for preachers, but it's not. 
Starting with verse 15, it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow the, the preachers. Does that not say that? What does it say? And these signs shall follow who? Them that who? That what? Are you a believer? All right. You have to know that signs are going to follow you. You need to get excited about it. Sometimes, you know, we do not get excited about our, our things, our, you know, things that God has for us. In this word, he has given all of us so many instructions. And yet, so many times, we are like, uh, you know, I told you I grew up in Pentecost. And, you know, there was, I, I appreciate um, a lot of things, the dedication, the commitment of Pentecostal the Pentecostals that paid a, a high price. And most of all, I learned so much about prayer and how important that was. But the one thing that I did see, even as a teenager, because I like to observe. I like to observe others. I like to observe, you know, what they're successful in and what it's seemingly what they're not successful in. And I want to learn from other people's experiences. I don't want to have to learn from my own mistakes, you know. I want to learn from somebody else's mistakes so that I don't make those mistakes. But, um, you know, I would, even in my dad's church, well, People have been in, you know, in church for years and years. But what happens so many times is that you take things for granted. You know, in life we take things for granted. I mean, I took having two hands and two arms for granted until all of a sudden I fractured my shoulder and I had to keep my arm like this. It was this one. I fact, and I had to, yeah, it was this one. I had to keep my arm like this. I couldn't, I couldn't move it. And I did not realize how much you needed two arms and two hands. Yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. And you know, at that time I thought, oh man, you know, there are some people that don't only have one limb. And I'm thinking, how do they navigate? You try to try, tie your shoes with one limb, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But we take things for granted. And so I would see people in our church that been in the church for a long time, kind of what we call settle down. And uh, somebody would come in and get saved and be so excited about the things of God. And this is what I would hear the settle down Christians say. Well, after a while, they'll settle in. You know, even as a teenager, observing that, 
all of a sudden on the inside of me and we need to listen to the inside of us, a Holy Ghost on the inside of us. These thoughts came and these words came. I'm never going to settle down. I'm never going to settle down. And I, you know, I, I don't, honestly, I don't even know when I accepted Christ as my Savior because I've been going to the altar ever since I was four years of age. That disturbed me one time as a young child because, you know, I would hear testimonies of people. Uh, well, I remember on the night of whatever I got saved, and I'm thinking, I don't remember, am I saved? Well, this was after, actually, I must have been about 11 because um, because all of a sudden, you know, I, I didn't ask anybody that. I mean, how would they know if I'm saved? And so I will never forget, I was, as an 11-year-old, now I am reading, it was called the uh, Pentecostal Evangel. It was like, a, yeah. And they had questions. And this is the question, and you know, it sounds so stupid now. The question was, can you receive the Holy Spirit without being saved? But it was a question just what I needed. Because at 10, I was kind of like Anthony. I tarried at the altar saying, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Until finally, I think I just passed out and came to speaking in tongues. So I knew that I'd receive the Holy Ghost at 10. So it's like, woo, I know I'm saved. <laughs> but, you know, I thought, I am never going to settle down. And though that I have been saved all these years, I have never settled down. No. I'm always excited about the things of God and what he has planned for us. And he said, and these signs shall follow who? Them that believe what's going to follow. In my name shall they cast out devils. Oh my goodness, did you know you're in the devil casting business? Now let's don't get, let's don't get weird about it. <laughs> I could do a whole thing about getting weird about casting out devils. We don't do that. But yet on the other hand, we have authority over those spirits in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, I think I have to tell this story. Uh, many, many years ago, I uh, actually, I had, um, I had officed in the in our admissions office of Raymond Bible Training College uh, because I was um, over there organizing things. And so all of a sudden, uh, my husband called me and said, Honey, you're going to have to come over here and you're going to have to office over here and you're going to have to take care of other parts of the ministry because um, the... Uh, person that was managing that had left and he said you know I need you over here so I went over there I officed in this same office where this person was and uh, so as I am there 
it was like I couldn't think in that office. I was so confused. I I didn't want to be in that office. And I you know, and it was like, oh, I I it's hard to explain how I felt. But like I told you yesterday, everything that I need to know I just ask God about. Now once again, don't get weird, you know. But on the other hand, I thought, God, what's wrong? I can't think. I don't want to be in this office. Uh, What is wrong? And all of a sudden, I realized that there were harassing spirits in that office. There were spirits of confusion in that office. And so the Lord said, just take authority over them. Just take authority of them, and I did. But then I thought, you know, if there are prevailing spirits, and you know, they're in this world, and sometimes we don't recognize them, we don't know what to do. If there are spirits here, then obviously there could be spirits everywhere. So I didn't tell the, you know, the 200 employees that. But on the other hand, you know, you've got to be wise. But on the other hand, I got them all together. And I said, you know what? I don't think we've ever done this. And I said, but we're going to go as a group. We're going to go into every building in this, in this camp, on this campus. We're going to go into every office on this campus. And we're going to lay our hands everywhere. And I said, you know, wherever you go, whatever the unction of the Holy Ghost has you to pray or take authority over, you do it. I mean, we spent that campus, it's a 100-acre campus. I mean, we went from the administration building down to the maintenance across the creek over to Nanowski. So it took all afternoon. So it was really interesting because of the fact that we have a pond and we have ducks. And for some reason, the ducks, there was some kind of disease or whatever, and they were all dying. And so we walked across in our Nanowski Recreation Center. We were coming back on the other side of the campus, and all of a sudden, I just... Reached my hand out to that pond and where there were a few ducks. And I said, in the name of Jesus, whatever that is that's causing those ducks to die, it has to go in the name of Jesus. The next year we had such a bumper crop of ducks (laughs) (laughs) that we had to take some to the ranch, you know. (laughs) But sometimes we don't realize our, you know, in every house, that we have ever purchased, when we start to move in, we go through every room. We take authority over anything that could be, that had previously been in that house. It's so very important that we recognize our rights, our authority. We don't get weird about it. You know, you don't get puking in a bucket and cast out, you know, demons and all that. Sometimes, you know, you, you hesitate 
to even talk about that because people go over on, you know, the weird side. And yet, on the other hand, that's what the enemy wants is not for you not to realize the authority that you have in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So, you are in the casting out of devil business. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents and they drink the deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. But here's where I want to really get you to. They shall lay hands on the sick and they might recover. What does it say? They shall lay hands on the sick and they what? Shall recover. You ought to get excited about that. Do you realize that you are in the healing business? That God has commissioned you to lay hands on sick people and they're going to recover. Every believer is in the healing business. And I want to tell you what, there's a lot of sick people out there. Sometimes sick physically, sometimes sick emotionally. So we are in the healing business. It's so important that we realize, you know, what our assignments are. It's really interesting that God must, I don't know, he must have something that he wants to keep on emphasizing to you because Pastor, my husband doesn't usually preach the sermon he did last night about God's plans are greater, but I just seem to be emphasizing that too recognizing the plans that God has for you in these days. In these days, let's turn over to Daniel 11.32. Daniel 11.32. Usually in some part of the 20 years that I've been doing these Crusades Now conferences, (laughs) did Crusades for 20 years, now I'm doing conferences for the next 20 um, but usually I read the scripture because the Lord gave it to me as we were doing these conferences, Daniel 11:32. it says, and such as do wickedly, you know, in the book of Daniel, it's talking about the, the last days, the days where dark times were coming, that there was going to be much sin and darkness upon the earth. I don't know about you, but it appears that we are there. Did you ever think in the United States of America that people wouldn't know who they are? It's terrible. Yeah, you know, God created man and woman. Yeah, I won't get to go there, but anyway. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries, but this is where I want to get to. But the people that do what? Know their God shall be what? Strong and do what? Exploits. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Now, I like the amplified of that. You know, the amplified, they say it's the woman's version because it's the detailed version, and I know you guys don't like the detailed version. We ladies like the detail versions, and when we tell, try to tell you guys about the details, you just say, get to the point. Uh, <laughs> <amen>. <laughs> 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 
there's sometimes a few words there that we need to emphasize, right? The Amplified says, but the people who know their God shall prove themselves strong. But here's what I really like. And shall stand firm. And shall stand firm and do exploits. So, you know, that tells me if we have to stand firm, that obviously the plans and the exploits that God has for us to do are not going to be easy to accomplish. We're going to have to, as I said yesterday, get your stubborn on. Get your stubborn on. Now, you know, the definition of exploits, a bold or daring feat. A bold or daring feat. Now, you know, without receiving the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit will give you power and a boldness that you need to carry out the exploits that God has for you. You know, it was like Peter when he received the Holy Ghost. You know, I mean, he was one that there he had denied Christ. But when he received that power from on high, guess what? Oh, Lord, when he delivered that message with such boldness, with such boldness. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you, a boldness will come up on you in order to accomplish what God has for you. And so, we have a lot of things that God has planned for us. But the key is, but the people that do know their God. Know their God. Now, you know, even in the natural, there are various degrees of knowing people. You know, we have acquaintances, we have um, fellow employees, we have bosses, we have all of these people, but depending on how much time that you spend with them is how well that you know them. I mean, obviously, as was seen yesterday with my twin, (laughs) who we dressed alike, not intentionally, I daughter just cracked up. She I told you Brenda was your younger sister. I said, I know. I just tell her what to do. I'm the only one that can tell her what to do. <laughs> That's what her daughter-in-law says. He says, you know, Lynette is the only one that Brenda can tell what to do, and she'll obey. <laughs> but, you know, we've known each other since 1976. Yeah, long time. And, but, you know, just if we just had known them and just met them and not been around them, we still wouldn't know them. But guess what? After all these years, we have stayed in contact. We have talked. We have had fellowship. And so, therefore, you know, it came to the point that we shop at the same store, (laughs) buy the same clothes, and wear them at the same time. <laughs> but you know what? 
I know my uh, husband and I, oh my goodness, this year we are... We are working on our 58th year of marriage. I don't know how that happens when I'm only 50. But miracles happen, right? (laughs) And because that we have spent time communicating, you know, I mean, there are couples been married as long as we have, don't know each other. Because they don't communicate, you know? They just talk about the weather, talk about the kids. They don't talk about each other. Yeah. Can go three hours on that one. But anyway, (laughs) because that we have worked at our communication, and it takes work, a lot of work, But because we have worked on that, we have, you know, ironed out things that we needed to solve, resolve, or just accept with each other. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mostly accept. We don't, you don't. Listen, for those of you that haven't resolved it, your spouse is not going to change. You might as well just love them the way they are. Because it's not going to happen. So why stay frustrated trying to change your spouse when it's not going to happen? Just love them the way they are. And everything will be much greater. But anyway, you know, the more that that communicate, the more you're around, the more, guess what? You start thinking alike. Because, I mean, honestly, so many times, uh, even in, in these conferences that, you know, we don't discuss what we're going to speak on, and he doesn't even come to my meetings because he says, all I do is talk about him. So, <laughs> no, really, he's resting, so he'll be ready for the night services. But we will, you know, we will speak this, on the same subject or on the same line. Or, or sometimes, you know, he'll even give an example that I've already given. And I'm thinking, oh, God, help him to get it correct. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do more details than he does. <laughs> I will tell you a funny, well, it wasn't so funny at the time, but. It was, uh, we were having winter Bible seminar, and I speak in the morning, he speaks at night. And that morning, and which is not usual, but anyway, I called out three different couples and gave them a word from the Lord. I don't even know what it was, you know, at the time. That, and I mean, we never discuss anything. That night, he called out the same three couples. I'm thinking, oh, dear God. Help this to be the same thing. (laughs) Or, you know, or adding on to that. Praise the Lord, it was. Hmm. Only time that's ever happened. But, you know, when you're around somebody, when you communicate with them, when you talk to them, then you start thinking alike. It's like now, like I say, I kind of retired from cooking, except during the pandemic. And... um, 
So usually we go out to eat, and so sometimes after leaving the office, he'll say, where do you want to go to eat? And I'll say, I don't care. Where do you want to go to eat? And he says, I don't care. Where do you want to go to eat? And so you have this discussion about not even caring. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I, he'll or I'll say, well, I was thinking about so-and-so. And the other one will say, well, you know what? I was thinking about the same thing, same restaurant. And I'm thinking, why didn't we just say it to begin with, you know? <laughs> but on the other hand, the more that you communicate with the Father, yeah. guess what? His thoughts become your thoughts. Yeah, that's good. His plans become your plans yeah. because you are thinking like He does. And so it's so very, very important to think like God. Well, the only way we're going to do that is to spend time with him. To spend time with him. To talk to him. Just as I was telling you yesterday morning how I spend time with God every day talking to him. Now, you know, prayer... People think of prayer, I don't know, uh, that it has to be done in a certain language, like, oh, my Father, the God of all the universe. (laughs) And they just talk in so all these beautiful adjectives and all these things, and I don't know, I'm I'm just not like that. I don't have all those beautiful adjectives. You know, prayer is just simply talking to God. And this is how I talk to God. And just as my book said, hey, God. Some people say, well, that's irreverent. Hey, I don't mean it. It's not irreverent. It's like, hey, God, I need you. And that book says, hey, God, why is it taking so long? It Talking to God is just like a conversation. And as I said yesterday, I, you know, I, there are times that as I've asked him for something, I need decisions, I need all this, and, and it doesn't seem to be happening. And finally, I, say, I just said, God, do you realize that I have a timeline here. They're saying I need this at this time. I have deadlines. I hate those deadlines. You know, I have these deadlines. They've got to go to print, and you haven't given me anything for seed thoughts. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. So, God, whatever I need to write this month, you better give it to me in a hurry. That's the way I talk to God. And God always answers. Sometimes it's the last minute. I I don't like to be a last minute person. My husband does. He just does everything at the last minute. It would just irritate me because it would still all come together. (laughs) 
this. I'm a planner. I like to plan. But you know what? You learn with God. You know, where, whatever time that he gives you his plans, you better be happy with it. You better be happy with it. But God has great plans. Uh, let's turn over to Jeremiah 1, 5. I want to read this in the Message Bible. <clears throat> Jeremiah 1, 5. You know, God was speaking to Jeremiah, but guess what? God is no respecter of persons, right? If he said this to Jeremiah, we could apply this to our lives as well. He says, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans now he goes on to say what plans that he had for Jeremiah but if he knew Jeremiah before that he was even born do you realize he knew you and do you realize that once again he knew you and he had plans for you and just as I said yesterday that you know When God created us, he gave us our personality. He gave us the things that, our strengths. He gave us, obviously, everything that we needed. Now, you know, we need to expand that and and everything, but he gave you everything that you needed to do the plans that he had for you. And if you weren't here yesterday, I talked about me being stubborn, and I said, you know, when you use that in the right way, and if you're stubborn against the enemy, then that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Whatever the enemy brings my way, he's not going to defeat because of my... God has already, my Jesus has already defeated him. Yeah. But he had holy plans for you. Now, let's turn over to uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. And I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for, and I like this, you know, sometimes you just need to highlight some things. And I, you know, God just gives me these little phrases that I need to keep remembering. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. Now, you know, there are times and and. And honestly, as you're walking with God uh, and as you're learning to hear his voice, sometimes it takes a while to understand uh, his leading, as my father-in-law would call it, being led by your spirit. So God will be patient with you while you're learning that. And you're going to make mistakes 
and you're not going to uh, listen sometimes, as Pastor Mark did yesterday. <laughs> I was just talking about being led by your spirit and listening on the inside. We go to start to a restaurant. He puts in the GPS. The GPS tells him to go a different way than what he was going. His wife told him, no, don't go that way. We got there. We got there, but we got in a traffic jam. I said, didn't you get anything out of my sermon yesterday? Oh, my goodness. It's good to have fun. Merry heart doeth good like a medicine. We need to laugh as Christians, you guys. Laughter takes the stress away. But God will be patient with you as you're learning to to follow his instructions. Now, after a while, you know, when you know that he's instructing you and you don't follow that, you kind of get a spanking. A year, years ago, because I'm, I'm learning how to follow his leading, how to, you know, do what he says. And years ago, uh, because of growing up in Pentecost and I saw so much flesh, I just determined that I wasn't, dan- I wasn't gonna have an expression in the spirit dancing or anything until he actually moved my legs. <laughs> Yeah, I was just stoic, you know. And um, I remember one time Brother Hagan actually, he, we were in a, uh, actually a meeting there on campus, and he was talking the same thing about how he grew up Baptist and, you know, he was not going to be moved by the Spirit. And, and then he gave an example of how the Lord told him you need to be free in the Spirit and how he's, the Lord told him, you know, you take one step in the flesh and when you come down, well, you'll be in the Spirit. Well, all of a sudden, you know, the unction of the Holy Ghost said, you, you need to get free from this. As, you know, you, this is, yeah, you need to be free. And so I obeyed, and I got free, you know, and released in the Spirit, and now I dance. However, you know, I, I remember that um, we were, like I say, this was years ago, and I, I'm just learning to... Oh, well, I, I knew I was learning how to be led by the Spirit. And so uh, we were at a meeting, actually. My husband was a speaker at that meeting. And uh, all of a sudden, in that service, um, the, the Lord said to me, um, you know, there are people here. It was up at East. There are people here that need to hear that story and to be free in the Spirit. And I'm thinking, uh-uh. You know, I'm not a speaker. I'm not going to do that. And so, you know, I bargained with God. And I said, okay, God, you know, Brother Hagin says, you have to wait. And if, you know, because you just don't go up. And I said, okay, God, you know, you would have to just um, provide a way for that to happen because I'm not a speaker. So all of a sudden, the person that was in charge, because there was anointing there, the person in charge says, "Mm, somebody has something. And and I thought, oh, God. And I didn't go. I didn't go. 
I disobeyed, even though God provided the way. (laughs) Now, after that, I really got a real whipping from God. Because prayer has always been my channel. I loved it. I'm telling you what, I tried to pray, and there was no anointing. It was awful. I felt like God was so far away. So I, you know, for months like that, I said, God, please, I'm sorry. I will never do this again. If you'll just give me another opportunity somewhere, I will obey you. And he did, you know, and I did. But from that moment on, whatever God says, I do. You know, if the Lord says, give somebody some money, I don't think twice about it. I do it. If the Lord says, go to that person and, and you know, encourage them, I do it. Because I don't want that weapon again. I don't want that weapon. But the more that you listen to the voice of the Spirit, the easier it is to recognize his voice. And I said to them early on, I said, God, listen, I don't want it. I I, I don't want to do anything in the flesh. And so I need you to make sure. I need to know for sure that it's you and not me. So I said to begin with, I said, you're going to talk to me really loud. You're going to have to talk to me really loud. Guess what? That's praying. That is praying. But he said, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for what? Good and not what? Disaster. There are times, even today, even, you know, in the days that we're living in now, there are times that as I'm following the plan of God, Lord, it just seems like there are things that are disastrous. And And this is what I always say to God. God, listen, I told you that I want to follow your plan. You said those plans are good, for good, and not disaster. And God, right now, it just seems very disastrous. It's okay to pour your heart out to God. I mean, you read about David, the Psalms. Oh, my Lord. How he poured his heart out to God and and how sometimes he was just kind of like, Angry at God. But as he poured out his heart, as he poured out his feelings, and you might as well say them because God knows them anyway. So you might as well say them out loud. He knows them. But every time that David did that, guess what? Then he, then he came up as he poured out his feelings and then came But, Lord, you are my rock, my salvation. You know, all of these things because God was ministering to him as he poured out his heart. As he poured out his heart. Oh, my, my, my. There are some of you that just need to pour out your heart to God. Oh, so much hurt, so much anger, oh, so much frustration, 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 frustration. But the Lord is saying, if you'll just pour out your heart to me, 
I will give you the answer. I will comfort you. I will lead you. I will guide you. I will direct you. And those things that you thought were so disastrous shall turn around for your good, says the Lord. 